0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location in Belmont, Massachusetts. My name is Brian, I pastor that location and it is good to talk to you today. You know, there's certain things in life that only bother us. There are pet peeves, you might say. And then there are those things that bother all of us. We're gonna talk about one of those things today. And what we're going to discover is this thing that bothers all of us, well, it also really bothers God. We're gonna look at something that Jesus says to his disciples and we're going to figure out exactly what it means for us. So I hope you enjoy this and I hope you listen closely because I believe God has something he would like to say to you. If you want to, we're going to be in John chapter 15 this morning. If you've been with us over the last few months here at Mount Hope, you know that we've been walking through the book of John together, and today will be no different. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you want to grab a Bible, there's some under the chairs in front of you, or maybe you have an app on your phone or a tablet or whatever you got. I'm going to give you an opportunity to open that if you would like to John chapter 15. Usually, the words go up on the screen But not so today. Today we're going very old school, so no words on the screen. So if you want to follow along in John chapter 15, you're going to have to open the book or open the app or something like that. John is the fourth book in the New Testament. So there's four books that talk about Jesus's ministry and life on this earth. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you go to the table of contents there and look at the New Testament, it's the fourth book down. And so you can open up to John and then go to chapter 15. I'm going to start by reading the first 17 verses of chapter 15. And so if you'd like, you can follow along. Let's read God's word together. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. You know, there's some things in life that just, uh, they only, they bother some of us. We'll call those maybe pet peeves. you have a pet peeve? Things that just drive you crazy. And they don't drive everybody crazy, but they drive you crazy. Uh, there are certain things in life that are pet peeves. They, just, they bother us. They don't bother everybody, but man, they bother us. And then there are those things in life that bother all of us, that really all of us have a problem with. And this morning, I want to talk to you about something that I think bothers all of us. There's something that, that really just, when we see it, we, we don't like it. When we experience it, we, we have trouble with it. it. It's something that doesn't sit well with us. It's something that, that we really don't like, especially when we see it in other people. Man, it can drive us absolutely crazy. And the thing that we're talking about this morning that, that really all of us, I think, is true, we don't like, is we really don't like it, do we? When there is a gap... Between somebody's belief, or at least what they say they believe, and their behavior. When there's a gap between what somebody says they believe and what somebody actually does with their life, that drives us crazy, doesn't it? We want this to be consistent. We want people, if they say they believe something, to act a certain way. So maybe somebody says something to you like, I am a giant Red Sox fan. I love the Red Sox. They are my favorite team. I root for nobody else. And then they say something to you like, but you know, I have a lot of respect for Derek Jeter. And you're like, what? How is that even possible? If you say that you have this, then you don't believe this. But there's a lot more serious things, aren't there? If someone tells you that they're loyal in relationships, friendships and romantic relationships, there's a loyal person and they say they believe in that, that's something that's a value to them, a core value, and then you experience something quite different, man, that bothers us. And anytime we've experienced a gap like this in this world where people's belief just doesn't add up to their behavior, it drives us crazy. We don't like it. Remember, in uh, 2013, you might remember this story. There was a young man by the name of Ethan Crouch, or Ethan Couch, I'm sorry. And Ethan, uh, in 2013, he was 16 years old. He was caught driving uh, 70 miles an hour in Texas, and his blood alcohol uh, level was three times the legal limit. Ethan got into a car accident and killed four people. When his case went to trial, and this is where you may remember, Ethan, his lawyers argued uh, that he suffered from something called affluenza. It was the first time the affluenza defense had ever been used, where his parents, who were very wealthy, had so coddled him and, so, uh, and given him so much that at 16, he had not developed Uh, had not developed the ability to make good decisions on his own. And the defense seems crazy, doesn't it? This affluenza defense that they went with. But you know what's even crazier? It worked. Instead of getting 20 years in prison like the prosecutor wanted, uh, Ethan got 10 years of probation as a juvenile. And I don't know about you, but there's something that just doesn't sit right with me on something like that. I believe that justice is blind, that that people should be held accountable for their actions, and then something like this happens, and it makes you question the whole system, doesn't it? And anytime that happens, we see that in other places and in other people where people say they believe something, but they do something else. That drives us crazy. When we read this passage of Scripture, Jesus uses a word, uh, fruit, to talk about behavior. And... When we watch other people, we look at what they do, fruit, we look at the fruit they produce in order to tell what they actually believe, don't we? People can say whatever they want. People can say whatever they'd like. You can tell me you believe anything, but ultimately, I'm going to watch what you do because one thing I know is that fruit is always determined by the root, and what you do is actually going to show me whether or not you believe what you're saying you're believing. And when someone tells me they believe something and then they do something else, it's a problem. It just doesn't sit well with us. It'd be like if you came to me and you gave me a tree and you said, this is an apple tree and it grew nothing but pears. And I came back to you and I said, what you have here is a pear tree. He said, no, it's an apple tree. 100% sure that's an apple tree. It doesn't matter how many times you tell me it's an apple tree, as long as it's growing pears, to me it's a pear tree. But this is exactly what we do in our lives. We say we believe things, but we do something completely different. And when we see it in other people, this gap, man, it drives us crazy. But here's what we learn in these verses we just read. You and I are not the only people that have a problem with a gap between belief and behavior God doesn't like it either. God has a problem with this too the same way you and I look at other people and when they tell us they believe something, a politician says that they're going to stand for something and then we put them in office and they do the exact opposite and that drives us crazy it drives God crazy when we say that we believe in Jesus or we call ourselves followers of Jesus, but our behavior proves something different. In fact, this is the way Jesus says it right at the beginning of the chapter. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And Jesus is saying to us, listen, your fruit is determined by the root. And it bothers God the same way it bothers you when you and I say that we are followers of Jesus or believers in Jesus, but our behavior and what we do says something else. In fact, Jesus gets pretty uh, harsh with his comment. He says, if you say you believe in me, but your behavior says something else, your fruit says something else, then God's going to cut you off and throw you away. But if you say that you believe and your behavior proves that you believe, then God will continue to cultivate you and prune you that you might produce more fruit. Now we have to ask the question, what in the world does Jesus mean by fruit? Well, if you look down the passage a little bit, in verse 12, Jesus starts to define fruit for us. He says this. He says, He says part of fruit is doing obeying my commands, and part of fruit is that you would love one another as I have loved you. It, just as I have loved you, you would love one another, that you would, in fact, give up your life for each other, is the way Jesus puts it. And that's one piece of what it would look like to produce the fruit that Jesus is talking about, that we would love each other, that we would give our lives for one another, But it's defined even further in Scripture, that word fruit. There's a man named Paul who wrote a letter to a church in a town called Galatia. It's the book of Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, Paul gets even more specific on what fruit looks like. Some of you learned this in Sunday school. You learned about the fruit of the Spirit. And and it's important that we remember that it's the fruit of the Spirit, it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's one fruit all-encompassing all of these things. I think Paul very intentionally said fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. And so if you ever feel good about yourself that you have some of the fruits of the Spirit, you have none of the fruit of the Spirit unless you have all of these things together. And this is what Paul says fruit looks like. Paul said fruit it looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self control. So, God wants our behavior to be consistent with our belief. The fruit will be determined by the root, Jesus says. And this is what the fruit should look like, that we would love each other, that we give our lives for one another, that we would be at the same time consistently full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, when we start to define fruit, here's the problem that uh, I have, and my guess is here's the problem that you have. The problem that I have and the problem that you have is when I start to look in the Bible and see how God defines what fruit looks like. I start to realize that this gap between what I say I believe as a follower of Jesus Christ and what I do is way bigger than I want to admit. That's a big problem we have as followers of Jesus. God calls us to a standard that we cannot live up to on our own. And so we can say that we believe in Jesus all we want, but I don't know about you. It's hard for me to get through five minutes of my day exhibiting all of these things all at the same time. I challenge you to drive home today in no traffic and still be able to exhibit this to the drivers around you. This is a difficult task. And so we start to realize that we have a problem here. That Jesus tells us that our beliefs should be consistent with our behavior. And you know what? We agree with him. Because it drives us nuts when people say they believe something and then they do something else. And so we understand that that would bother God as well. If I'm going to say I'm a follower of Jesus, then surely my life should look like I'm a follower of Jesus. But now I have this problem when I really start to get into it. This gap is bigger than I want to admit. So what in the world am I supposed to do? What are you supposed to do about this gap in your life? Jesus says if you don't do something about it, God's going to cut you off and throw you away. That's not what we want. So what do you do? I'll tell you what we try. Uh, this is what most of us do. We we do this to close the gap between what we say we believe and what we do. Day after day, we try harder, don't we? This is all the articles that are online. We just try harder. Four ways to be a nicer person. Seven ways to lose weight. 19 ways to do things correctly, whatever the articles are. There's all the articles that we have online, all the things that we take in, all the things that we read, and we come to church and we make a promise each week. We come to church, maybe we come to an altar, but we come, we open up the Bible, and we're like, oh yeah, man, I, I'm a mess, I messed up again, I did the wrong thing, this week I'll try harder. And then we come back to church and we say, uh, you know what, I, I did the wrong thing again, I, I'm a mess, I, I'll try harder. And that's what we do. Here's the problem with trying harder is that very quickly we find out that if we say that we believe in Jesus and we want to exhibit the behavior that he calls us to, and all we're doing in our life is trying harder week after week after week, this doesn't work. Never has. In fact, some people that we know, and maybe you're close to this, you've walked away from this whole thing because you did this and it didn't work. You were supposed to live this way. You are supposed to live up to all of these standards that are in the Bible, and you wanted to believe because you loved Jesus, and you died on the cross for your sins, but this whole living the life thing was too much, and you tried hard, and your friend tried hard, and your family member tried hard, but they ditched the whole thing because no matter how hard they tried, it didn't work. So then we have a couple of options, right? We can either get rid of belief which is the one I've just mentioned, or we can do something with behavior. We can either get rid of belief or we can do something with behavior. The first thing we can do with our behavior is is we can just justify, justify our behavior, Right? Just like we do with our 10,000 steps that we're supposed to take every day. Everyone's wearing all these devices so we can make sure we take 10,000 steps. And you bought that device, you put it on your wrist, you said, I'm gonna take 10,000 steps. You looked at the device at the end of day one, it said 2,562 steps, and you said, well, today's my cheat day anyway. (laughs) And we do the same thing. I mean, God knew my intentions. I know that I lied, but I had no other choice. I, I know that I intended to do the right thing. I intended to be full of the fruit of the Spirit, but God understands the situation that I am in. So we can either justify our behavior, since trying harder doesn't work, or, and this is what many of us do, we can just lower the standard of behavior. We can say, you know what, it's 2018, and the Bible is an old book, and surely God didn't really mean That we're supposed to be that generous with our money. I need 300 channels of cable and I need four streaming services and I need them all the time. And so God couldn't have possibly meant that I was supposed to give up that stuff and be generous. It's 2018. God couldn't possibly have meant that in this day and age, we were supposed to treat sex the way that the Bible says. And because we don't like the gap, we have a few options. We can try harder, but that doesn't work. And so we could just get rid of belief, which some people do, or we could just change the standard of behavior. And this has been going on since the very beginning of time. If you're familiar with the book and you grew up in Sunday school, you remember the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And God gave Adam and Eve one rule, that they could not eat from one specific tree in the garden. And then the enemy comes along. The snake slithers up. And what does he say to Eve? Did God really say? Did God really mean that? Did God really say that you couldn't eat from that tree? Come on. This has been happening since the beginning of time. That we would lower the standard of behavior in order to lessen the gap between what we believe and what we do. None of those are what Jesus gives us in these verses. In fact, in these verses, Jesus gives us the only thing that actually works, that allows us to keep the standard that God has given us and to maintain our belief in Jesus Christ. There's only one thing that actually works when it comes to lessening the gap between what we say we believe and what we actually do. And Jesus wants us to get it through our head so much that he says the Greek word "meno" 12 times in 17 verses. Did anyone catch it? What's the word that Jesus says over and over and over again in these verses? Abide. Jesus says, abide in me. Jesus says you want to be consistent in what you say that you believe and what you do? You want the fruit to match what you say is the root. The only way for that to happen is for you to abide in me and abide in my love and abide in my words. He says it over and over and over again, 12 times in the Greek, Jesus uses this word. But what does that mean? What is Jesus saying to you and what is he saying to me that that in order to lessen this gap so that our belief system matches our behavior, that we should abide in him, what does that look like? Well, to abide in something simply means to rest in that place, to dwell in that place. And see, I think that, that you can tell from somebody's life how they live, what they abide in, because when you abide in something, when you rest in something, when you dwell in something, your behavior changes to match that thing. Now, some of you know that 16 years ago, I moved from the Midwest to New England and married into uh, like an Uber New England family. And so uh, when I moved from the Midwest to New England, I say things and do things that I never would have done before because I abide here for these years. It changed the way I talk. It changed the way that I act. Let me give you an example. I remember the first time someone handed me a piece of trash and asked if I would go throw it in the barrel. I looked for a wooden container with the metal bands around it. That's something that you might uh, like make wine in or, or something like that. But I had no idea that they meant trash can. I remember the first time we went to the grocery store with Lori and Lori asked me to get a carriage And I looked for something that had a baby in it or something that was drawn by a horse. I had no idea that she meant shopping cart. But now if I went to the store and someone said to me, carriage, I know exactly what they mean. Back home, if you're driving and someone flashes their high beams at you, you've done something wrong. They are upset with you. How dare you do that? Here, it means, please turn ahead of me. God bless you. Have a great day. And things start to change, right? I remember when someone first asked me if I wanted a Hamburg. And I thought to myself, do I want a city in Germany? And and I said, oh, a hamburger. Yes, I'll take a hamburger. Things change. And because I abide here and dwell here now for these years, language changes and actions change. The same thing happens in other areas of our life. If you abide in work, if work is where you live, if work is where you rest, then your behavior in work and out of work will reflect that. If you abide in this culture and in this world, if that's where you rest, if that's where you you find your satisfaction, then the way that you behave will reflect the culture in which you rest and which you live. Where we abide, where we rest, where we dwell has a dramatic impact on how we behave. And the only way for you and for I to solve this problem of trying to get our belief to match our behavior is not to try harder. It's not just to do better this week. And it's not, just to, it's not to change the standard of behavior. It's not to, to pretend like God didn't mean what he said. It's to do something that we often look at as maybe just a, a waste of time or something that couldn't be as valuable because you, you don't feel like you're doing anything. You don't feel like you're checking anything off a list. You don't feel like you're getting things done. And that is to rest and abide In God and in His Word. You see, the work of sanctification, that's a fancy word. That means the work of making us more like Jesus, the work of making us more like the people God created us to be, has always been God's work. It's always been God's work through His Holy Spirit. And the way God speaks to us through His Holy Spirit, the way He does that work is primarily through His Word and through the Bible. And Jesus sets the example for us multiple times in his ministry. He would leave the crowds, leave the disciples, go to a quiet place and abide and rest in his Father's presence. When's the last time you truly rested in the presence of God? When's the last time you dwelt in In his word. You see, I think it's a little different than reading the daily devotional that has the one verse and the paragraph that someone wrote. I mean, opening up the Bible no phone, no computer, no television, no tablet, and sitting quietly and resting and hearing what God had to say changes us and transforms our hearts and our minds unlike any amount of trying harder could do. It is what Jesus tells us will prepare us to go and bear fruit. And Some of us are all all worried about, all worked up about this. Why can't I live out the life that I'm supposed to be living? Why is there this gap between belief and behavior? And Some of us in the room this morning, we are doing everything we can to hide the reality that this gap exists. We're hoping no one else in the church and no one else in the room figures out that there's a giant gap between who we say we are when we walk in here on a Sunday morning and who we actually are when nobody's looking. And we would love to deal with this thing. We would love to change it in our life. And we tried. We've tried over and over and over again to fix it. But Jesus doesn't tell us to try harder. He tells us to rest in him and in his word. So for the next couple of moments, I'd like for us to do just that. I'd like for us to listen to just a couple of the things that God says in his word. And my prayer is that as we do, God by his Holy Spirit will touch our hearts and our minds so that we will think differently. Our hearts will long for the right things, not because we've tried harder, but because God is at work within us. Listen to what God says. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. Everything he does prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. And so the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Therefore, I tell you, why do you worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear? Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more valuable are you than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed as one of these. If if that's how God clothes the grass of the field that is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear. For the pagans run after all of these things and your father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself each day. Has enough trouble of its own. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Through Jesus Christ, by whom we have access into the grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous man, although for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you have any encouragement in being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who... (laughs) Being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God. The Father. There is nothing that will change your heart or your mind or prepare you to bear the fruit that God calls you to bear than abiding and resting in Jesus Christ and his word. Your fruit will be determined by your root and the only way to make those two match is to abide in the right place. So, when is the last time that you rested in the Word of God? When is the last time that you abided in Him? When is the last time you stopped trying by yourself and doing exactly what Jesus is talking about and spending time in His presence? The work of making us more like Christ has always been God's work. It is our job to believe, and it is our job to abide. And if we do those, we will bear fruit consistent with what we say we believe. If you believe and you abide, you will bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, I can tell you you're not abiding. And what Jesus says, if you don't really believe, So if you say you believe, will you go and abide? Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 10 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Each week that we gather, we do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at M-T Hope Belmont. Thanks again for joining us and we look forward to having you listen again next week.